0: Tegucigalpa. Uh, uh, What? (laughs) Tegucigalpa. Uh, Um, bless you? (laughs) No, no, no. I I didn't sneeze. Tegucigalpa is the capital city of Honduras. It's where you guys are going to be staying on this trip. My name is Tommy Cummins. I am one of the student pastors here at Plum Creek, and in July of 2019, I got to go with some of our students and leaders on a mission trip to Tegucigalpa, Honduras, to visit one of our missions partner sites for the organization One Child. I knew that the language barrier was going to be a bit of an issue, so I started brushing up on my espanol early. Now, I've never been anything close to fluent in any language. To be perfectly honest, even my English is suspect at times. But, estoy aprendiendo español, pero todavía no entiendo mucho. I'm learning Spanish, but I don't really understand very much yet. We had a small handful of translators who were, they're all incredible, but there were just way too many of us for them to be able to translate everything for us while we were there doing ministry for the week. So one afternoon doing free time at the center where we were ministering and playing with these kiddos, I was down on the soccer field, which, to be honest, was actually more of a soccer dirt patch. One of the little girls, she came up to me and began to speak, and... All I could muster in response was kind of a blank look in the phrase, no entiendo, or I don't understand. She did her best to say it slower and with bigger arm gestures, but again, no entiendo. For a third time, she tried to speak to me, this time with the help of several of the little boys that were running around, but for the final time, No entiendo. We both began looking around for a translator, but none of them were to be found. This seven or eight-year-old girl and I, we, we came from different backgrounds. We understood different contexts and we spoke different languages, which made it virtually impossible for us to understand one another. The language barrier between me and this young girl was seemingly insurmountable. And it was incredibly frustrating for both of us. For the last several weeks, we've been working our way through a series titled Insurmountable. And we've looked at how many times our situations may seem insurmountable, but really they're only insurmountable to us, not to God. In fact, those are the situations that really ought to draw us nearer to God as we come face to face with our own limitations. Those moments ought to make us more and more thankful as we realize that our God has a rich history of overcoming the insurmountable. For us, starting from when we were brought into the history of God's redemptive plan in our world. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul unpacks for us the incredible lengths that God went to on our behalf. If you have your Bibles or your devices, I'd love for you to pull them out. as we get ready to dive into Ephesians 2, let me say a quick word of prayer for us. God, we thank you so much for your incredible goodness. We ask that in this moment that you would open our hearts and our minds to you. God, we thank you that what is insurmountable for us is not insurmountable for you, including our sin. And we thank you for your goodness and your love. It's your name we pray. Amen. So in Ephesians chapters 2, starting in verse 1, Paul says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, the same point that Paul is making here, he actually gets across way more succinctly in Romans 3.23 when he says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. He's reminding us that the chasm of sin is insurmountable to us. Sin separates us from God and we cannot overcome that gap on our own. Imagine it this way. Imagine we were all standing around in the church parking lot looking to the south to the beautiful view of Pikes Peak, at least when it's not so smoky and hazy, and imagine that we all picked up a stone and tried to throw it onto the summit of Pikes Peak. Now, I've got a pretty good arm, but I'm also no baseball player, so I might be able to get closer to the summit of Pikes Peak with my rock when I throw it than you can, whereas many of you, I am well aware, would make me feel bad about my wimpy arm. But regardless of how much further you can throw it than I can, even if you could throw it twice as far as I could, The truth is that none of us is actually getting anywhere near the summit of Pikes Peak. We are all going to fall way short of that standard, and that's exactly what Paul is communicating to us here in Ephesians 2. Like trying to throw a rock onto the summit of Pikes Peak from the church parking lot, we wouldn't even come close to being able to overcome the chasm of sin on our own it's insurmountable. We could never possibly be good enough to earn our way to God and we were never intended to. But that's the beauty of the gospel. The chasm of sin is definitely insurmountable to us, but it is not insurmountable to Jesus. Paul continues in verse four saying, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Because of God's goodness and mercy and love, he's saying the chasm of sin is not insurmountable to Jesus. We couldn't make it to him, so he came to us. That means for those of us who haven't said yes to him yet, that is great news. You could never earn your way to him, so instead he came to you. He wants to set you free from the sin that always ultimately destroys our lives. That's the good news of the gospel in a nutshell. And if you have said yes to following Jesus, listen, this is a great reminder that our salvation is 100% his doing and 0% our doing, other than simply saying yes to his offer. In fact, we're going to read in just a moment that this means that none of us can boast. It means that we completely forfeit our right to be judgmental towards anyone. It means that we stop bragging about how much further we can throw our rock compared to others Because who cares when we consider how worthless that accomplishment actually is compared to how far short we actually still fall. It's like bragging that we ran the first 100 yards of a marathon before someone else tagged in and ran the other 26.1 miles on our behalf. But for some reason, we still choose to wear the medal as if we actually accomplished something. In fact, that's what Paul says as he gives people on really both ends of the spectrum some advice in these next few verses. He says, "'God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece.'" He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things, do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, verses 8 and 9 here, these are a really great reminder, especially for those of us who grew up in the church. Remember, hey, it's completely by God's grace that we are saved and not by our actions. It's not by our works. We could never earn it. So, how dare we fall or we judge others for falling short as well? But then, verse 10 is a great reminder and challenge, especially for those who might be relatively newer to the faith. Paul is saying that we are God's masterpiece, created to do good things, so our actions do absolutely matter. In fact, the last time I preached just a few weeks ago, this was the entire point. That we are citizens of heaven, and as such, we ought to be pursuing radical adoption of the culture of heaven. The things that we saw and learned from Jesus. Not because we are trying to earn God's grace, but because we are compelled to respond to God's grace. Here at Plum Creek, we like to say that we are changed lives. Which means that our lives ought to actually reflect the change that Jesus has and is making within us. Change means we ought to look, act, and speak different than we did before. But it doesn't end there for us. We are changed lives, changing lives. God wants to use us as his hands, as his feet, as his witness to share the good news with others so that they can be saved and be changed as well. We are Christ's ambassadors tasked with the ministry of reconciliation Now I'm guessing that you don't need me to tell you that there are many things in our culture and in our country today that feel pretty insurmountable right now. COVID-19, the divisiveness of the election season, racial reconciliation, there's many more, but our main thought today is that Jesus overcame the insurmountable for us, so that he could overcome the insurmountable through us. He wants us to be changed lives, changing lives. So Jesus, again, overcame the insurmountable for us so that he could overcome the insurmountable through us. Folks, if we're going to be changed lives, changing lives, if we are going to allow God to use us as agents of change and of unity and of reconciliation in this world, we have to start by reflecting on the rest of Ephesians chapter 2. And I would highly encourage you to read the rest of the chapter rather than simply taking my word for it. But let me summarize it for you. Paul spends the rest of the chapter convincing the Ephesians that even though they used to be clearly separated as two distinct groups uh, consisting of Jews and Gentiles or non-Jews, But now, because of Christ, they're not two separate groups. They are one, and there ought to be peace between them. That even though the differences in opinion and theology and politics and lifestyle, they might be drastically different, but the thing that unifies them is far bigger and far more important than anything that might divide them. And that common unifier is Jesus. Jesus. And believe me, for 99% of you that can hear my voice right now, the fact that Gentiles are now considered part of the body of Christ, that's great news for us, because that's all of us, except for maybe the small minority of those who might have been converted from Judaism. What's interesting, though, is that even though most of us are the ones, as Gentiles, who were the quote-unquote outsiders— Rather than turning around and being incredibly inclusive and patient and full of grace toward others, we've essentially all but established the same system of insiders versus outsiders in a lot of arenas. On the whole, Christians are not exactly known as being the most loving, forgiving, and inclusive even towards other believers, I think maybe we need to be reminded during this incredibly divided season that now that we are all his followers, and what did Jesus say would set us apart as his followers? He he said that they would know we were his followers by the way that we love. (laughs) I mean, good grief. Grief. Imagine if unbelievers looked at us and said, hey, hey, listen, I don't know if I completely agree with what you believe, but man, I am jealous of the way you love and treat one another. And as DC Talk reminded us all those years ago, love is a verb. That means love is a choice, not an emotion. That means that it's possible to vote for different candidates and still be one in Christ by choosing to love one another, by choosing unity over division. That means that it is possible to have different opinions on masks and still be one in Christ by choosing to love one another, by choosing unity over division. Because Jesus overcame the insurmountable for us so that he could overcome the insurmountable through us. And believe me, I know exactly how hard it can be to choose to love even when we don't see eye to eye with someone. It's way easier, which is why we see it happening all around us, it's way easier to demonize the other end of the spectrum than it is to sit down and look for common ground. But our common ground with other believers is the only reason any of us have been welcomed into the family of God, the same family that our fellow believers are part of, even if we don't agree with them all the time. Again, I know that's easier said than done when it feels like we aren't even speaking the same language but if that little girl in Honduras could overcome the language difference, surely we can overcome our differences as well. She and I, we stood there for a long time on that patch of dirt between two soccer goals, trying so hard to understand one another. Both of us growing frustrated at our inability to do so. It would have been so easy to give in to our frustration to just give up, to call it quits, and literally just go our separate ways. But instead, she calmly and gently took me by the hand and began to lead me to another soccer field that I, after several days of being there, I, I still had no idea it was even there. We might not have spoken the same language of words, but in that moment, we we certainly both spoke the same language of love and kindness and patience and joy and peace and gentleness and self-control. Those things are pretty universal. And when we live them out, they are irresistible to others because it gives them a glimpse of Jesus Friends, this is too important to ignore. And it's way bigger than anything that might divide us because once again, Jesus overcame the insurmountable for us so that he could overcome the insurmountable through us. He wants to use us because we are his hands and his feet. And we are people in process, so it's okay that we're not perfect. But are we choosing, because again, it is a choice, are we choosing to love when it seems like everyone around us, maybe even everyone beside us, are choosing hate? You may find yourself in a situation where it feels like you're not even speaking the same language as someone because you just can't understand one another. In those moments especially, Choose to speak the language of love. Take them by the hand. Choose gentleness. Choose to see them as worthy of dying for. Because Jesus did. And he did for you as well. And he wants to use you to spread that message. So let's choose love so that we can make Jesus famous. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your incredible patience and gentleness and love with us. God, you share those things with us with the intention that we would turn around and share those things with others. God, we want to be good representations of you. We want to allow you to use us rather than setting up these roadblocks that will keep others from you because of our actions, our our words. God, this will only happen if we allow ourselves to build our lives upon you. God, we want to give you everything that we are. We recognize that this only happens when we allow you to change us from the inside out, so may that be possible. God, we want to point others towards you. We want to make you famous with our words and our actions. So help us to do so. We love you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.